walking down the street or walking on the moon what's it matter out of my cocoon step into the sunshine man it feels good birds and bees jamming a theme for the neighborhood And welcome into 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter, joined as always by my buddy John Paulson. What's up, JP? Uh, hanging in there. How about you? How are you doing? Hey, you know, it's a grind. It's a grind in 2020, but at least we have some to talk about and take our mind off some things, right? Yep. There you go. All right, tell us about the music that brought <laughs> us in, and then we'll dive into some of the, the podcast topics. The, uh, you know, kids that grew up in the, I don't know, 80s and 90s like I did, or grew up in the 90s, uh, will recognize this band the eels they haven't had any like major releases uh in a while but they have a new album out um i guess they do have a couple albums out in 2018 and uh looks like there's a couple of compilations that were released but they have a new album out called earth to dora this track is called are we all right again there's actually a uh, video up on youtube with uh, john ham in the starring role uh, but it's nice to hear some uh, comforting uh, 90s music from uh, 90s type music from uh, from the Eels in uh, 2020. So uh, check it out. Good stuff. All right. The Most Accurate Podcast is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, home of the new, the new Snake Draft. I'll more on that a little bit later on. 444, as you know, if you've been re- listening, we have a Discord. It's a community where 444 subscribers can interact with each other and the 444 analyst. And it's where John posts his thinking inside the box series of stats every single Monday. If you're looking forward to joining joining or if you haven't tried it out yet bit.ly slash four for four discord that's the number four for number four discord it's all lowercase verify your subscription and then you can get started if you haven't signed up for four for four yet prices have been reduced to 19 dollars for a classic subscription 29 dollars for a pro subscription and 49 dollars for a rest of season dfs and betting subscription, the DFS and betting, it all comes in one. So if you're looking forward, if you're looking for just DFS and betting, $49 rest of the season subscription subscription to 444.com. You can use the code John10, that's J-O-H-N 10 to get 10% off those already reduced prices. So make sure that you use that code John10 to get an additional 10% off those are already reduced prices. In COVID-19 news, the Browns had a player test positive on Friday and their facilities have been shut down. The whole virtual meetings today. Any thoughts on the the, the Browns or is there just not enough information yet, John? Uh, with regard to the Browns, it sounds like they uh, now shut down and they do contact tracing on the player and then those players might go on the uh, COVID-19 uh, list as well and not be able to play but if they can if they can seemingly contain this to a few players they'll probably play on Sunday um, but options are to move it back to Monday or Tuesday as it has been in uh, weeks past um, it's tough now to move any games off of this week because both of these teams are past their bye and uh, I think I said last week too this is only going to get worse uh, as we get into winter we set a new record for hospitalizations in the last couple of days. Uh, so things are actually um, worse than they were at the initial start of this uh, in terms of the numbers. So 
the virus is continuing to spread and it's going to continue to uh, infiltrate the NFL. They just happen to have uh, the ability to test daily and contact trace and try to contain it as much as possible within those teams and, and keep the keep the season going. But uh, owners should be on their toes when it comes to um, you know having some options on your bench each week. Uh, don't always assume that on a Friday, if your player is healthy, uh, that he'll be able to play on Sunday because this could uh, pop up at any time. All right, Christian McCaffrey, his shoulder injury is going to cost him this week. Panthers host the Buccaneers on Sunday, but he reportedly has a chance to play in Week 11. Miles Sanders and Nick Chubb should be back this week. Kenyon Drake has been limited at practice and might return this week. Joe Mixon, since we're talking about running backs, has not practiced and is once again looking doubtful for Week 10. So Gio Bernard, Gio Bernard should draw another start. And then Devontae Freeman re-injured his ankle, so Wayne Gallman figures to get another start. John, do you have anything to add with these guys? Uh, with McCaffrey, I guess that's good news because it was looking like it might be a multi-week injury, but he might be back week 11 uh so that's I mean, that's good news miles sanders and chubb should see normal workloads in their work first week back though that the teams may limit those somewhat i still think that they'll you know lead in carries uh and for for sanders they'll be leading in touches um but with boston scott playing pretty well and uh cream hunt obviously one of the better running backs in the league they can afford to sort of ease them into the back into the fold. I think with Chase Edmonds there in Arizona, you might see him playing pretty well this season and actually outperforming Drake in many cases. Uh, you might see closer to a 50-50 split between Drake and, and Edmonds this week if, if Drake is able to return with that ankle injury. Uh, Bernard uh, has a tough matchup with the Steelers, but you know he'll probably see 15-plus touches, and that's pretty valuable right now. Uh, same, kind of go, same goes for, uh, for Gallman. I mean, he's got 54 total yards, and a touchdown uh, in at least, or in the last three games uh, straight. So he's been performing and producing uh, RB2 numbers for, for owners who are courageous enough to start him. So he should draw the same type of touches that he's been seeing the last three weeks. Chris Carson, then Seattle backfield committee shape up. I'm not sure Carson will play. This seems like it's a midfoot sprain and he might miss another week. He's not practicing at all on Thursday. Pete Carroll doesn't really, he's very optimistic and even him, even he's saying that he's like, uh, Carson's closer than Hyde, but it didn't, didn't sound like his return is imminent. We'll see what he does today. I mean, obviously the Seattle Seahawks practice late in the day uh, out here on the West Coast. So um, we will have to wait and see what, what happens there. The The issue with the Seahawks is that last week they started DJ Dallas, but um, he kind of took a hard hit along the sideline he did return to the game um but he wasn't seeing the same type of touches that he was seeing uh in the previous game when he basically touched the ball you know every every down he got every running back touch so last week travis homer actually led the team in snaps 48 percent uh dj dallas had 31 percent alex collins just signed off the street saw 13 snaps 20 percent um so the touches broke down nine for homer nine for dallas and two for Collins and Dallas, you know, saved his fantasy day by scoring a touchdown, but he only had 39 total yards. Uh, whereas Homer, you know, caught three passes for 64 yards. So he ended up with 80 total yards. And that was a game where the Seahawks also fell behind. And that, I think that was part of it. Um, Homer seems to be their preferred third down back since he knows what he's doing more as a pass blocker. So I wouldn't expect Dallas to be a, um, if, if Carson sits out, I wouldn't expect Dallas to be ranked as an RB2. Right now I have him ranked as like a high-end RB3. A little bit of risky start with Homer, you know, in the 30s 
uh, as a, like an RB4, RB3, RB4, you know, flex type, and maybe PPR guy for you. David Johnson's got a concussion. He's not practicing. Do you like Duke Johnson as a sneaky start this week? Yeah, it's time for Duke to uh, to show why he was he's leading all time leading rusher at University of Miami. Did you know that Duke Johnson was the? <laughs> I I knew he had a good career in Miami. I didn't know he was the the leading rusher. No, all time leading rusher. It's wow. pretty amazing when you think about it. Uh, he really never has had a chance to be a full time RB one uh, in the NFL, and maybe there's a reason for that. But last week they were not afraid to feed him the ball. He saw twenty touches, seventy three yards uh, from scrimmage, and scored a touchdown against the Jaguars um, in the seven games from the 2016 to 2020, where he has seen at least eight carries. He's averaged 14.5 touches for 81 total yards, 0.28 touchdowns. Uh, use the market share splits app on the 444 uh, website. Check it out. Um, really great tool. Uh, you can put in criteria like that. So when I, I, when I did the search, I put in a minimum of eight carries um, for, for Duke Johnson and that's the production it, it breaks it down uh, shows the splits for for that for that split and um, you can get an idea of what he can do when he's given a full workload and I think he'll see that uh, this week provided that Cleveland uh, Houston game uh, goes off without a hitch you got a little uh, old team theorem as well going on there with Duke Johnson facing the Browns oh yeah so Good a little, point. little added. Justin Jackson is dealing with a knee injury. What do you think about this L.A. Chargers running back by committee as they head to Miami this week? You know, I actually feel best about Tremaine Pope. Uh, he had a concussion, sat out last week. That's why they brought in Balaj. Uh, Balaj and Joshua Kelly ended up splitting the work. Uh, but Pope looked good the previous week and, you know, ended up with more touches than Kelly did. Um, so I don't know exactly how they're going to to break it out but if i had to desperation start one of these three i would start pope um but it really is up in the air and they've actually said that it's basically the game flow and who's got the hot hand so whoever looks best in the first quarter or the first half is probably going to you know see a little more touches in the in the second half david montgomery has a concussion who picks up the slack if he's out on monday night against the vikings well they're you know, Lamar Miller is on the on the practice squad. I guess they're going to call him up. Uh, Ryan Nall has been the, I guess, the backup for Montgomery. He has barely touched the ball. He had a, a pretty good game receiving last week. Uh, and Cordero Patterson has been the primary ball carrier behind Montgomery. So I would expect an ugly uh, committee with those three. They don't seem like they're wanting to feed any one of them um, probably more than 15 touches, 12, 15 touches. So I would expect a committee with those three, you know, with uh, you know, uh, them trying to utilize their skill sets the best they can to try to get through the game. Moving over to some wide receiver news, Alshon Jeffrey's got a calf injury, but he's practicing in full. What role will he have as he works his way back into that Eagles wide receiver crop? We've got uh, Travis Fulgham playing very, very well. He's playing, uh, you know, real world wide receiver one type level right now so I don't see Jeffrey usurping him they've got Jalen Rager uh, coming back he should be fully healthy now after the bye Um, so I would think that they would work Jeffrey and he probably play half his usual snaps if that um, and you know operate as the number three number four receiver uh, Greg Ward's there as well so uh, it certainly would not start Jeffrey Uh, I think he was kind of getting past his prime a little bit even prior to this all these injuries and he's been out of football or just has not been playing in games for quite some time so i think the 
He's going to have to get back up to speed, and I, I wouldn't want to trust him in my fantasy lineup uh, his first week back. Alan Lazard of the Packers it might return this week. What do you expect from him rest of the season? You know, he was excellent to start this to start the year. Uh, he had that huge game against, the, I believe, the Saints, um, and he's certainly a more consistent option than uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling. Uh, so, you know, I wouldn't also wouldn't want to start him if he uh, happens to play this week, but. If you're in a pinch, you probably could since it's the Jaguars. And uh, the Packers are pretty desperate for receiving options. I just don't know if he's going to see his full complement of snaps or if he's going to be um, a little bit out of condition and maybe rotating more with those other receivers there. Um, so he certainly is somebody that I have picked up uh, in my leagues. He's sitting on a couple of benches waiting for him to get healthy and, and play because I think he does have some upside for the rest of the season. Debo Samuel is expected to miss Week 10, and the 49ers travel to New Orleans to take on the Saints on Sunday afternoon. What's the outlook for the 49ers wide receivers as they travel to New Orleans? Well, I noticed uh, somewhat in the rankings uh, over at Fantasy Pros, the uh, consensus rankings, that Richie James is you know, way, way low uh, this week. I guess people were maybe assuming that Debo might play. But uh, obviously Brandon Ayuk uh, being back changes the – uh, the situation a little bit. Kendrick Bourne possibly being back. He he came off of the COVID list, and then went back on. But I guess he can get cleared by Sunday if uh, if all goes well. But I think that uh, Richie James's game against the, the Packers, uh, you know, sort of earned him that wide receiver two role as long as Samuel's out. So uh, I would expect Ayuk and and Richie James to be on the field the most for that team. And you know, they're without. Uh, George Kittle at, at tight end. So there's lots of targets up for grabs, and, and that's actually a good, uh, pretty good matchup with the Saints there. Austin Hooper's practicing in full for Week 10 against the Texans. This is uh, this is your third remind, reminder that as we record on Friday, we don't know if the Browns and the Texans are going to play after Cleveland shut down its facilities because of a positive COVID-19 test. But presuming they do play, what's your outlook on Austin Hooper? It's good because uh, you know Odell Beckham is out for the year now. I think there's a, I think the original concern with Hooper, Landry, Beckham, uh, Kareem Hunt, etc., is that there's just so many mouths to feed in what was going to be a run-heavy offense under Kevin Stefanski. And now that Beckham is out of the way, you're not trying to force feed him eight to ten targets um, a game. And you know, when I say out of the way. I don't mean to be crass. I think for Hooper, that's what you're talking about. Like there's obstacles to him producing in, in that offense, given what I just outlined, but uh, he was already trending up his, his usage prior to the appendectomy. And now that he's back, I expect him in uh, Jarvis Landry and Richard Higgins to, to lead this team in, in, in targets. And uh, I think he's at a position that tight end has been really tough to peg outside of Travis Kelsey, uh, maybe Darren Waller, um, you know, I think Hooper is uh, definitely somebody, if you're looking for help at tight end, you want to grab him and perhaps play him this week. TJ Hawkinson, the tight end for the Lions, didn't practice on Thursday. He's got a new injury. It's a toe injury. If he can't go against Washington, what do you think about Jesse James? Yeah, this is a midweek downgrade, so it's something definitely something to keep an eye on. I, I did a search uh, to see what was the status today. Matt Patricia didn't really give an update. He just basically said that he's a tough kid. Uh, so I don't know what that means for Sunday. I know a lot of people, myself included, were planning on starting him uh, this week. So uh, pay attention to the practice reports uh, today to see if he gets in a limited session and is at least questionable because if he uh, did not practice today, then um, he's starting to look doubtful for Sunday. I'm going to ask John what happened to A.J. Brown in, Thursday, in the Thursday night football game, Titans and Colts. We also have sneaky starts coming up for Week 10. But first, we all love snake drafts. We all love big prizes, but we don't all love 
big entry fees or multi-week contests. So Underdog Fantasy just released a, f- a new format for their snake drafts. It's called Battle Royale. In Battle Royale, you draft a one-week team like you normally would, but instead of only competing against the other team's In that specific draft, or in your draft, you compete with teams from other drafts. This way, they pool together the prizes so that they can offer big tournament-style payouts while keeping the live snake draft format that we all love. If you think this is your week and you can draft the best team, you have to try Battle Royale. It offers the big upside a normal snake draft can't with prizes that used to be only attainable in season-long or salary cap tournaments. The Battle Royale is already up in, in the Underdog app and on its website. It's $5 to enter and has a $25,000 prize pool. Pays out $5,000 to first place. Would be a nice earnings for you or uh, for the holiday season, that's for sure. Buy some some holiday presents. All right, Thursday night football, John. We'll start off with the Colts here. I I don't think there's a a ton to learn because we knew that Jonathan Taylor, he'd he'd been trending down for a while now. But I'll go over some of these numbers. Phillip Rivers, nice game, 29 of 39, 308 yards. Only had the one touchdown, but they were at the goal line a couple of times and they just couldn't punch it in. Jonathan Taylor, as I mentioned, he rushed seven times for only 12 yards. Jordan Wilkins, eight times. He carried the ball 28 yards. He got stuffed twice on two fourth down carries. Zach Paschal caught four or five targets for 33 yards. T.Y. Hilton, four four or five targets, 40 yards. Mo Alley-Cox, four targets. He caught three of them for 19 yards. Trey Burton caught all three of his targets for 24 yards. The most effective player in the Colts' Um, backfield was Naheem Hines. He rushed 12 times for 70 yards and a touchdown. He also caught five of six targets for 45 yards. And then Michael Pittman, Pittman had a nice nice game. He caught seven of eight targets for 101 yards in that Colts victory over the Titans. What, what was your main takeaway from the Colts standpoint? Well, yeah, and Pittman had a 21-yard uh, run as well. So he ended up with 122 total yards. And this was his break, basically his breakout game. Uh, even with Hilton back, he played a ton of snaps and uh, led the team in target so certainly if he's out on the waiver wire grab him um with taylor you know troy aikman kept saying that you know he wasn't in the doghouse and you know i and he believed the coach and all that and i i i believed it too because taylor started the game had the first few opportunities um you know ran into the backs of his linemen and didn't have many opportunities you know on those short uh he had made it he got a first down on a fourth and one that was good i mean he got hit in the backfield and then fought forward to get the first down. But I mean, he just hasn't been the player that we thought he was going to be coming out of college. And that doesn't mean that he's not ever going to be, but right now uh, the offensive line isn't blocking like it did last year. Uh, he doesn't have the, the, the running lanes to, to run through that uh, maybe uh, Marlon Mack had last year. Uh, they do seem like they are going to continue to start him. So he does get first crack, but if he doesn't get going early, they're very quick to move to Wilkins or Hines. And Hines just seems like he has more burst right now. He's just a quicker back, and he's also ex- excellent in the passing game. So um, he's doing a lot of the things that uh, you know we thought Taylor might be able to do. Um, and uh, you know, but his his uh, involvement in the game isn't always uh, the same every week. It's sometimes he barely touches the ball. It just sort of. Uh, depends on how the backfield starts uh, between uh, Taylor and Wilkins and how well they're running the ball at the start of the game. All right, let's switch over to the Titans because a lot of people are going to wonder, I mean, what, what the hell happened to A.J. Brown? He caught one of four targets, and the one pass that he caught was on the Titans' opening drive. Um, what made what made things kind of worse is that Derrick Henry, while he rushed 19 times for 103 yards, 
the Titans were trailing heading into the fourth quarter, and they got, they got down by multiple scores in the second half. You, you thought that A.J. Brown would come alive. Instead, it was Corey Davis who caught five of six targets for 67 yards. We know that Indy's defense is good, John, but you know, kind of shocking that A.J. Brown was only targeted four times, only caught one of them. Yeah, I mean, I think A.J. Brown returned in, in week five. He's caught a touchdown in five straight games heading into this game. Uh, so I don't think owners should be too uh, hard on him. He did have a drop early in the game that would have probably maybe correct me if I'm wrong I don't know if you saw it Anthony but yeah right up on the right up on the sidelines probably would have scored on it it was a 72 yard um it would have been a 72 yard touchdown so we could easily be looking at two for you know 93 and a touchdown and we're looking at his game in a very different light uh I had somebody tweet at me that Brown doesn't get enough work or the, the Tennessee Titans don't throw the ball enough that you can consistently rank him in the top 15 or 20, and it's just nonsense to me. I, he has eight targets a game this year heading into this game, and you know, as I mentioned, extremely productive, not just touchdown-wise, but yardage-wise over the last uh, five or so games. So it's just every once in a while you're going to have a receiver that has a bad, you know, a stud receiver that's going to have a bad game. It happens to, to all of them. Um, Maybe to others, they end up still end up seeing eight to ten targets, and they end up with two for forty instead of one for twenty-one or something. But um, like I said, he had that one drop that uh, really cost him, and it was a weird play where he got bumped, got around the defensive back, and then turned and didn't have enough time really to figure out where the ball was, and he still almost caught it. So um, that's what happened to AJ Brown. I wouldn't worry too much about it. His schedule upcoming doesn't look too bad, and this is a pretty good defense here with the Colts. They were obviously scheming to take him away and um, that opens some things up for Corey Davis. Uh, Jenny Smith had six targets, but only caught two passes. Luckily he ran in a touchdown um, for him. Uh, and, you know, with, with Henry, you know, it's going to end up showing up as a, not that great of a PPR game. I mean, he ended up with 109 total yards, one catch. So he's looking at 11 or 12 fantasy points in PPR, but uh, you know, the touchdowns are always going to come with him and, you know, he did have a chance to score, early and end up being that Johnny Smith touchdown. So that's just the way it goes sometimes. Yeah. And, and I completely agree on AJ Brown. And I saw, I did see the one play it was up against the, it was up against the sidelines and they showed the replay and looked like he dropped it in, in bounds. And it was a, it was a tough play, but one that if he makes, he likely shakes a tackle and then he's probably gone. As you mentioned, let's get into some sneaky starts for week 10. We'll start off with your quarterbacks, including uh, Jared Goff. Jared Goff has a Great matchup against the Seahawks, who couldn't stop a, a nosebleed at this point. <laughs> They're 32nd in just his fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Uh, Jared Goff has thrown for 320-plus yards and or two-plus touchdowns in six of his last seven games. Um, Seattle obviously has struggled against the pass, giving up 415-3 and three to Josh Allen, 322-2 uh, and two to Nick Mullins and Jimmy Garoppolo, 360-3 and three to Kyler Murray, and 249-2. and two. Uh, within the last five games. I forget who that last one was, too. So just a lot of, um, you know, a lot of pass yards in the Seattle game. They're also <laughs> pretty good against the run. Uh, so it sort of funnels things to the pass, and it makes sense for the Rams to, to try to chew them up through the chew yards up through the air and not try to run it down uh, Seattle's throat. What do you like about Derek Carr this week against Denver? I think people are sleeping on him a little bit still. I mean, he had, his yardage against the Chargers was not great, 165 yards, but he did throw two touchdowns, and it was the sixth time he's done that in the last seven seven games. And the only exception to that was the Wind Bowl, uh, you know, and it was 35, 45 mile per hour winds there in Cleveland in week eight. So he's been very consistent this year. 
runs a little bit, uh, but the touchdowns have been there. Um, the Broncos have yielded uh, 284-3 to Matt Ryan, 278-3 and to Justin Herbert. Um, they did hold Patrick Mahomes to 201 in Week 7, uh, but for the most part, the, the Broncos have uh, struggled against the pass, and that's uh, evidenced by the 24th and just a fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks that they've uh, earned so far this year. You have Jamal Williams listed as one of your sneaky starts. He's going to be the backup for Aaron Jones uh, coming off the reserve COVID-19 list. Is this kind of a game script scenario where Packers get up big against a bad opponent and we see a lot of Jamal Williams in the second half? Yeah, sometimes with these uh, sneaky starts, you look for the backup player uh, in a game where there's a really good matchup. Uh, and that's the case here with the Jaguars. Uh, 29th and adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. But as you mentioned, Anthony, this is also a game that the Packers could. I'm not, I'm not going to try to jinx them here, but they could jump out to a lead and really shut down Jones in the fourth quarter, let his calf you know, heal, not try to risk it any further. And then Williams comes in and kind of closes it out. I mean, A.J. Dillon might be involved too, but I'm not even sure he's off the uh, COVID list yet. Uh, he was the one that actually, I believe, contracted the uh, the virus, but um, I'm not 100% sure on that, so don't quote me on that. Um, but yeah, this is a, a matchup plus uh, possibility of Jones not seeing his usual workload since Williams is back to take the to take the pressure off of him. Let's give it out another running back, and you can check out John's article at 444.com. He's got a, a ton of sneaky starts options. We just go over a couple in the podcast, but uh, what about Matt Burita? It looks like he's uh, trending to play this week. Um, you know, Salvin Ahmed was the is the player that if Breda doesn't play, he's the one that looked like he had the most juice in that uh, in that backfield in terms of running ability. Um, Jordan Howard struggled to low yardage uh, again, but did find the end zone. So if if Breda is back, I would expect him because since he was the one playing behind Miles Gaskin. That I would expect him to lead the backfield in touches, but if his hamstring isn't 100, percent you might see a committee like we saw last week with uh, you know Howard getting the goal line. So it's not it's not a confident play if Breda comes back, um, you know. But against the Chargers, there should be some points put up in this one. And he's he's the in terms of who they have in the backfield right now, he's the most versatile where he can catch the ball and and run it. He's better at running it than he is at catching it, uh, given his uh, size and everything. But um, I'm just a little bit worried about the injury in terms of the the committee that's likely to be there. But if you're desperate uh, and he's playing, then he's probably going to lead that backfield in touches. All right. We talked a little bit about the Browns in relation to Austin Hooper and Odell Beckham out for the year. How about Rashard Higgins as a potential sneaky start against the Texans on Sunday? Yeah, I think people, you know, cut Higgins possibly after the win bowl. He didn't do anything in that game. Prior to that, though, he had 100 yards in the game that Odell Beckham got injured. And uh, he and... uh, Baker Mayfield have a pretty good connection. It's gone back uh, the last two seasons. The, the Texans are 24th in just a fantasy points allowed to receivers. Uh, so I would expect him to bounce back with a pretty good game, assuming this game is actually uh, played. All right, and then uh, another wide receiver, and he's had a, a nice couple of weeks here, is Curtis Samuel. And a, a lot of people have been kind of waiting for Curtis Samuel to emerge. I think a lot of people had him as kind of a sleeper. And uh, you like him this Sunday against Tampa from a sneaky start standpoint. Yeah, especially with McCaffrey out, because they're using Samuel as the backup running back to to Mike Davis, and, and he's actually been pretty effective and may end up seeing more, more touches uh, since Davis has not run the ball terribly well, he's more of a pass catcher out of the backfield. Uh, so 
they what they've what I've noticed they've been doing is when they get into the red zone, they've been giving Samuel carries, you know, around that ten to fifteen yard area, and he's been able to hit the hole quickly and f- find his way into the end zone. Um, he saw twelve touches last week against the Chiefs. He's got four touchdowns in the last three games. Um, he's kind of eating into you know DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson's work a little bit as well. Um, past four games, he's seen six point three targets per game and you have you know you add two or three targets or two or three carries per game and that's enough to to get you some points there uh, as a sneaky start and then another wide receiver that you like of course a lot of people focused in on uh the rookie jerry judy in denver but tim patrick is listed as one of your sneaky starts as the broncos grew up to take take on the raiders and the raiders don't have a great secondary yeah patrick came back and caught a touchdown against your falcons uh, he now has 100 yards and a touch and or a touchdown in the last four games where he's played at least 75 percent of the snaps. So that's his usual workload. And when he's been out there and stayed stayed healthy, he has produced 100 plus yards and or a touchdown in every game. Um, so the focus now is on Judy because he had the huge outing against Atlanta. Uh, he's obviously a great route runner, rookie, exciting rookie, um, high draft pick. But uh, you know he's overshadowing overshadowing Tim Patrick a little bit and Patrick is going to be out there just as many snaps probably and he could see as many as many targets as well we just got done talking about Jared Goff and how that's such a good matchup with the Seahawks on Sunday and one of the wide receivers that you think uh, it could be a sneaky start this weekend is Josh Reynolds yeah he's basically beat out uh Van Jefferson for that wide receiver three job he he's leading uh the team in air yards in the last three games with 108.0 uh, he's averaging 3.3 uh, catches for 47 yards, 0.67 touchdowns on 7.3 targets in that span, 7.3 targets per game in that span. So, again, like the Jamal Williams play, you, know, you look for that third receiver in a really good matchup against the Seahawks, and you know they're going to be focused on Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, but uh, don't be surprised if, uh, if Reynolds finds the end zone um, against Seattle. And then one more, we'll do a tight end. How about Mike Gusecki, the Dolphins' tight end? Yeah, it's a little pain. I just saw that we're playing against Mike Gusecki in the FFPC. Uh, we have a our team is eight and zero, and we're f- playing the other eight and zero team. And he's got Gusecki as his tight end, which is a little uh, annoying that I have him listed as a sneaky start because I don't know. I'm just feel like I'm jinxing myself. <laughs> but uh, Preston Williams was carted off. It doesn't look like he's going to play. Uh, the Chargers are 25th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends, uh, so they're just losing targets there uh in terms of the Dolphins pass, pass catchers so Gasicki should should see plenty of work I mean it'd be him and Devontae Parker for the you know mostly um the Chargers have given up five for 22 and a touchdown to Darren Waller eight for 56 and a touchdown to the Denver tight ends uh two for 52 and a touchdown to Jared Cook there's our Jared Cook men- mentioned bing 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 <laughs> and five for 82 and two to the Tampa tight ends in recent weeks so it's uh, it's been a struggle for the Chargers to, to cover uh, tight ends and Gesicki's athletic, and uh, you know he'll probably see five plus targets uh, with uh, Preston Williams out. All right, that'll do it for John Paulson and Anthony Stalter, 444.com, most accurate podcast. Again, if you haven't signed up for 444 yet, prices have been reduced. $19 for a classic subscription, $29 for a pro sub, $49 for a rest of season DFS slash betting subscription. If you've been on the fence at all to join 444.com, 
Get off the fence. Now's the time to do it. Sign up. You can also use the promo code John10, J-O-H-N-10, to get 10% off those already reduced prices. So again, jump on it now and win out uh, the rest of the year, courtesy of 444.com and and our our outstanding uh, rankings from John Paulson and a lot of great content throughout the course of the week. At 444 underscore John is where you can find John Paulson on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Anthony Stalter. Until next time, good luck this weekend. We'll see you next Friday. Most Accurate Podcast. it over to that mangy cat well he's been through a lot now more than you and me let's give him what we got that's who you want to be